How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how are you, sir? Ah, oh, doing pretty good. Short weeks at work are always fun. Although, kind of wish we had more Sens games to talk about. Yeah, but you know what? We got so much to talk about here at top of the hour that it's really going to make up for the two games we got to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we can get right into our opener then. Yes, sir. So, before we get to the top of the hour, did you listen to last week's episode, Tim? Yeah, I thought it was all, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I you know what? I have mixed feelings on the matter just because I felt the audio started to crap out near the end, but overall yeah. I thought it was a decent enough episode and Yeah, like it sounded like I was in a tin can. It really did. I was it uh, the headset that you're using or just the mic? It might have been the microphone. I've uh, put it into a different USB port, so hopefully that helps. Okay. Because the ones on the front of my rig have been, they're testy. Right. So I've plugged it in the back. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, hopefully. It, so far, it sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So how is your, how's your rig been, bud? Uh, good. Uh, work slowed down a bit, which uh, has allowed me kind of to focus on other stuff. Yeah, nothing too crazy happened, so that's good. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I think uh, you you alluded last week that you had a story to tell. Yes. Now, on last week's episode, I did hint that I might be going to see a certain somebody earlier this week, and I did. So, on Thursday night, I took, an, I took the drive down to Victoria to local bookstore called Bolin Books in Hillside Mall in Victoria. For the Bolin book... isn't little, though. It's quite a large bookstore, all things considered. Well, it... it's not like a chapter sort of big, but it's a... Uh... Well, it's bigger than the chap all the chapters in Victoria, hey? This... No, I'm talking about just the... the just the store itself. Like, chapters is a big franchise. Bolin oh, is... yeah, no. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, go back to what I was saying. I went to the book signing of one Jeremy Taggart and Jonathan Torrens, host of the Taggart and Torrens podcast. They just released their book, Canadianity. They released the book earlier in the last couple of months, and I got a chance to sort of flip through. I still haven't got a chance to read it the whole way through, but so far it's pretty good. I highly recommend go picking it up so far from what I've read. Well, your bods are in that book too, hey? Yes. Neil and Dave from Maple Syrup Shots, they're bot ambassadors of Saskatchewan. Ooh. And I didn't know this until I was at the signing. They actually mentioned Duncan in the book. Why? Well, because, like, they've traveled here on Vancouver Highland a couple of times over the years, and and they were talking about this uh, First Nations carver that they had met in Duncan who recently passed away in the last couple of years. Was it Simon Charlie, or...? I don't know who it was. I will have to read into the book to find that out and get back to you on it. So anyway, getting back yeah. to it. 
Yeah, get back to what I was saying here. So anyway, I was sitting out front of Bowling Books on... Where was I sitting? I was sitting just outside of the Bowling Books on the side of the store. Because uh, that evening, Battlefront, the new Battlefront Star Wars game, and the new Pokemon game came out that year. Or sorry, came out the next that day. That night. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sitting out there. And this is after the signing. And you had mentioned to me that you had picked up the new Pokemon game. And I said, oh, Tim, I got a story to tell, bud. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm standing out front chatting to this guy whose name is Alistair, who I met at the signing. And, you know, we were just chatting. And this uh, Middle Eastern gentleman walked by and he happened to see the book in my lap. And he goes, hey, like, what's that book? That looks really cool. And I go, oh, uh, yeah, it's called Canadianity. The, the two authors are in the store right now. They just did a signing. And so... He walks in there, and I'm joking with Alistair. I'm like, how much you want to bet he's probably going to go up to Jeremy or Jonathan and be like, hey, do you guys work here by any chance? <laughs> and so Jonathan comes out. Jeremy, sorry, Jeremy and Jonathan come out, and they have their merchandise, and Jeremy being a bod goes, hey, do you guys want to buy some stuff? <laughs> kind of greasy lean. He was just joking around and everything. And so he's getting some merchandise, so the Middle Eastern gentleman came out and he's all excited. He goes, man, I didn't know you used to drum for Our Lady Peace. <laughs> and Jeremy's just gotten himself laughing. He was just having, he was like, oh, nah, man, how you doing? <laughs> uh, it was a good time. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. They actually did a bit of a Q&A before they did the signing. And I, I'm not going to go through all the questions I asked, but I, I'm going to cherry pick a few of them. I did ask... Uh, Jonathan Torrens, who's an Edmonton Oilers fan, about the Mike Camilleri trade. Uh, he He's a fan. He likes the deal. I also mentioned to Jeremy Taggart, whose former roommate is Sean Avery. Whoa. <laughs> so I asked him, I said, if he had got a chance to read Sean's book. And Jeremy says, yeah, Sean gave me a copy of the book before it came out. And... So he seemed pretty happy about the book. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to ordering it on Amazon because I've just got a pile of other stuff to read through and Pokemon to get through. Yeah, I highly recommend reading Sean Avery's book, Outside, My Life Crossing the Line. There's a cheap third-line plug for you right there, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like, I guess both of us have always had some, I guess, strange fascination with Sean Avery's complete lack of basic decency. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he talks about that in the book, too. It's amazing. Yeah, shit. Yeah. But the the one question I asked, and I was really humming and hawing whether or not I should ask Jeremy this because of what had happened to this gentleman. I asked him about when Jeremy was drumming for Our Lady Peace, whose idea was to do a theme for the late wrestler Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a little backstory for people who don't know, uh, Chris Benoit was involved in a murder-suicide in 2007 and really left a black eye on not only the WWE, but professional sports in general. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that it's... At first, when you mentioned Benoit, like, my brain was scratching. It's just like, what was that? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, right. And that was really when uh, CTE... Uh, like uh, and post concussion syndrome really came to the forefront was that plus uh, the rash of enforcer suicides that followed in hockey. Yeah, but I think the Benoit death really started enforcing 
not not only athletes but owners of professional sports teams and and sports teams in general to seriously take head injuries as a very serious injury and not just oh you know he just got his bell rung sort of deal mhm and like it's interesting because even as it was amazing how slow the NHL was to adapt because like after the Benoit incident it really was the NHL that got hit next not the NFL yeah, but I know the NFL had invo- had been involved with lawsuits against their players for head injuries as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's just a shame that uh, like mental health and concussions have just never really been taken care of properly, and people suffer because of it. I think it's because people see mental illness as a weakness, and so they're always afraid to really talk about that. Hmm. And it doesn't help that our si- like our current medical system is based almost entirely on physical diagnosis. So mental health is just not only is it hard to talk about, it's super hard to treat. So going back, what I was saying about asking the question and I could see, and I kind of regret it now asking him, even though I did say at the beginning, uh, listen, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. And you could see it on his face. He goes, uh, yeah, you know, you know, it wasn't my idea to do the theme. Uh, Jeremy just can't watch wrestling anymore as when he was talking about it because he says just knowing what happened to Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and like if that's ha- if that was what was happening to an NF sorry a WWE star, you have to imagine what was happening to the heels and the jobbers too. Yeah, and I know Chris Benoit was a big star. Um, maybe not on the level of say a Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena. Hulk Hogan, but but he was a big, big star in the WWE. I like how you managed to avoid mentioning The Rock. Don't you mean Dwayne Johnson, former Miami yeah. Hurricane and Calgary <laughs> Stampeder? Didn't Dwayne, didn't, hasn't Dwayne Johnson made a comeback? He has, yes, he has returned to wrestling over the past six, seven years. He's uh, actually headlined two WrestleManias. Nice. Uh, just to close out when I was saying about Taggart Torrens, uh, if you get a chance to go see them live, I highly recommend it. They're so natural in their storytelling abilities and overall their buds. Uh, I actually got a few things signed. I got one of their snapbacks, which I got signed by Taggart Torrens, and also the book itself. Now, I'm just gonna st- I'm gonna take off my headphones and grab the book so I can read this to you, for- Tim. For- so just one yep. second. Okay, so this is what I asked Jonathan specifically to write in the book, because one of my favorite bits from Taggart and Torrance was in episode 121, where the two characters to play was Gordon Lightfoot and his manager, Bernie. And so they were just sitting around discussing possibly putting together a cover album. And one of the, one of the songs that they were talking about was Smooth by Santana. Mm-hmm. And so... The song previous they were talking about was from Matchbox 20, and then that song came up, and Taggart as Bernie goes, well, well, Gord, why don't you do uh, Smooth by Santana? And I'm going to try my worst Gordon Lightfoot impression here that Jonathan Torrens perfected. He says, you know, I don't mess with that guy. He's greasier than Tank Gravy. Oh, wow. So now keeping that in mind, this is what he wrote in my book. He says, hey, Taylor, keep her greasier than Tank Gravy. 
God damn. That was awesome. I, I love that. And also, Jonathan Torrens noticed my maple syrup shot shirt when I was nice. uh, at the signing. Nice. Yeah, so that's been my week, Bod. And actually, I got a few uh, photos. I put the one selfie up on our our, our Twitter, at Third Line Plug, if you want to go check that out. And it actually got quote-tweeted by Jeremy Taggart. Nice. Yeah. So that's pretty much been my week, Bod. Yeah, I didn't do anything cool at all. Well, you know what, Tim? We're doing this now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This is this really is probably the best part of our week, I would imagine, eh, Tim? Yeah, it's definitely up there. Oh, I guess there is one thing I did this weekend. What's that? Uh, it wasn't good, but it's funny. Okay. So Friday night, I went out with a bunch of buddies that I play uh, card games with to an all-you-can-eat sushi place. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of White Tuna? White Tuna. No, so, I haven't. Oh, so what soy tuna. White, okay. So what white tuna is, is it's not tuna at all. It's a fish called escolar that's often passed off as tuna at, cheap, at sushi places that are trying to get a one-up on you. Okay. It causes diarrhea in humans. Oh, Jesus. So uh, we, lo- we got a bunch of tuna. Like, we ordered tuna rolls because they're a standard roll in sushi, right? Yeah, so you I get a decent California amount of them, roll, yeah. and uh, we looked at it, and we're like, this tuna is really white, but didn't really think of anything and ate it. Uh, and then one of my buddies uh, texted one of his friends, who's a chef, and the guy's like, lol, that's not, that's not tuna, that's just cheap shit. Enjoy, oh, your, enjoy no. your bathroom tomorrow. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and like, not even half an hour after we got back to a restaurant, I just had, I got like the worst stomach pains. Oh, boy. It, it turns out that, according to Health Canada, you're supposed to label whatever you serve this just so people don't know not to eat a lot of it. Yeah, that's, and you can't that's even very much common sense, though, Tim. So, uh, yeah, now I know. Nice. If, you're, if your tuna's too white, just don't eat it. Yeah, that sounds like the story about the last time I went to Maze, across to you from the high school. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah you remember their food, eh? The five-buck pound of food yeah and it tasted good enough as a high school student but i remember my dad uh he got bored and went on the bc ministry of health has a list of every health inspection for every restaurant in the oh, province and no. may's got like a d oh my god <laughs> oh god i got serious food poisoning the last time i ate there i literally i thought i was gonna die laying on the bathroom floor i was so sick to my stomach Ugh. Yeah, well, uh, that was great. How about top of the hour? Yeah, so <laughs> let's segue out of talking about food poisoning and white tuna into a segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, Tim, we got to start off on a somber note for Top of the Hour. And, you know, I hate starting Top of the Hour off on such a sad note, but this was the first news story I saw last Sunday, right after we recorded episode 7. And that is, Martin Bruder's brother, Claude Bruder, had passed away at the age of 58. The cause of death is unknown. Uh, at the time I read this, uh, apparently Claude was a huge impact on Martin's career, as Claude set Marty straight at the age of 12, when Marty Bruder was angered after being benched three games for missing one due to his grandmother's death. 
He told his family he would quit hockey to concentrate on skiing. So think about that, Tim. Had Claude not set Marty straight, we would have never known the greatness of Martin Brodeur. It's weird that you never hear that story. And I think that's something that would generally kind of round out the character of Martin Brodeur a bit more. But, yeah, it's a shame. And it's I feel a little bad finishing off our pre-top-of-the-hour talk about bathroom stuff if we're moving into this. Well, the thing is, Tim, we have to talk about that to get into the sad stuff. Yeah, true. All right. Wait, what? <laughs> is that a thing? It is now, Tim. We also got to give a really quick shout to former Ottawa Senator and current Anaheim Ducks Center, Antoine Vermette, who played his 1,000th game. He is the 313th player to reach 1,000 games. He was drafted by the Ottawa Senators in the 2000 entry draft. I've always liked Anton Vermette, and I was a little sad that he had he was the one we sent back to Columbus in the Pascal Leclerc trade. Oh my god, I totally forgot that we had got him for that. Yeah. And like Vermette's always been he's always been great in the dot and uh he's always been able to pitch in offensively. Right. Yeah, and I'm I believe he ended up winning a cup with with uh Chicago, right? I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I'm glad that he got to do that. He's always been one of my favorite players, and uh, he's part of the reason that I still kind of fo- I still follow the Jackets. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and yeah, and I'm actually kind of surprised that more players haven't reached 1,000 games, to be honest. Well, you also got to factor in how many of those careers never passed how many games, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess we also have to appreciate that uh, there's a lot of play. I bet most players in the AHL probably drop out pretty quickly after a season or two. If that. Mm-hmm. Like, do we ever talk about, like, Josh he- Josh Hedesy, Stefan DeCosta, or anyone like that? Not yet, anyway. Yeah, no kidding. So, Tim, this piece of news that came out this week really caught my eye because I do recall when this news story broke back in 2004 and that is former New Jersey Devils and St. Louis Blues forward Mike Danton announced his retirement from hockey and will join the Valley Wildcats of the Maritime Junior Hockey League. Danton served five years in prison on conspiracy to commit murder. The murder which would have involved his former agent David Frost as the target. Yeah, it was such a bizarre story. Yeah, and, and there was the rumors that Danton and Frost were lovers. If you ever listen to their to Danton's prison conversations. The whole scenario is kind of left field and you have to wonder what the if them being lovers was the case, you have to wonder what went sour. Yeah. And looking into this uh, his retirement, it turns out he's been playing in like this burner Quebec burner league for like the last few years Mm-hmm. that I had never even heard of. No, I'm pretty sure it's one of those like glorified beer leagues in the middle of bumfuck wherever in out in Quebec that you never hear about. Well, what it is, is apparently, uh, it's like a retirement home for enforcers. Okay. Where they just go and punch each other out. Like, Apparently, they have an average of uh, 
like three and a half fights per game hmm. compared to the NHL, which has less than one. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's, and like Donald Brashear ended his career there, among others. That's right. I totally forgot that Donald Brashear had played in some sort of league like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And it's funny because, like, I know, like, the British Hockey League, uh, Brian McGratton ended up there. And that's another one of those burner leagues. Yeah, so did Wade Belak, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I'm always surprised that le- these leagues exist. Although, at the same time, I'm not surprised hockey isn't more popular in the UK if the best they can get is Brian McGratton. Well, it just hasn't grown in popularity there yet. Yeah. But you could probably do better by importing some talent from the Swiss leagues and the Swedish leagues instead of getting uh, American guys who just go and punch people out. Yeah. So, Tim, earlier I was discussing Jonathan Torrens, and I mentioned that he's an Edmonton Oilers fan. And like I said, I mentioned about the Mike Camilleri trade. And that's where we're going to lead right now. The Los Angeles Kings trade Mike Camilleri to the Edmonton Oilers for UC Jokinen. Camilleri had three goals, four assists for seven points in 15 games for Los Angeles. Jokinen only had one assist in 14 games for Edmonton. Like I said, Torrens, Oilers fan, really likes the deal. Our bod Dave, I asked him, and he also likes the deal. So what are your thoughts, Tim? Uh, I think this is a deal that's going to get more more attention than it deserves. Like, it's just kind of an old fart deal to kind of shake up the Oilers. Yeah, but I remember, was it during our free agency episode back in the summer? We were talking about UC Jokinen, and we were really going like, yeah, you know, Edmonton really got a good guy for this, and yeah, he just never really panned out for the Oilers. Yeah, but then again, it could just be uh, age caught up faster to UC Jokinen than anyone could have expected. Yeah, it could be. But then again, UC Jokinen also seems like an, an L.A. sort of guy. I don't think there's a lot to make out of it. It, it is what it is. Yeah, it's just a small deal. Okay. Here's another it's small deal, cool. Tim. The Arizona Coyotes mm-hmm. trade. Louis Dominique to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Ty McGinn and Michael Layton. This is a funny deal just because I think a lot of Arizona's woes have just been every game Dominique stepped into was a guaranteed loss because he was atrocious. Didn't help that he was playing on a bad team, too. Well, it was an in, a very injured team. Like, uh, they haven't seen their full defense core yet. And, like, Yarmelson, ha- they haven't seen either Yarmelson or uh, Shushern on the ice together. And yarmelson has been out for a while. So that definitely doesn't help. Right. When you're missing your number one and number three guy. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I guess if you put it in those terms, it seems... Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Like, I think they would, the Coyotes probably would have a more respectable record if they had anti-Ranta. It wouldn't be great, but it would still be better. Tim, Arizona does have anti-Ratna. I mean, he w- he was injured. Oh, okay, that's right. Okay, you were, I was just like, what? Anti? No, anti-Ratna is in Arizona, Tim. Yeah. Remember we that's talked about that one episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this one. The Columbus Blue Jackets have re-signed Cam Atkinson to a seven-year, $40.25 million deal with an AAV 5.75. Atkinson. Atkinson, thank you. Had 35 goals, 27 assists for 62 points in 82 games last season. And 
had four goals, four assists, or eight points in 15 games in the 17-18 season so far at the time of the signing. That's a great, like that's a great term in money for Cam Atkinson, because they're basically just locking up a very a very good second line center for pretty decent money. Yeah, I know what I read it and it said Blue Jackets resign veteran forward, and I'm looking I'm like he's 2008. He's not a veteran. And I realized oh 2008's like nine years ago. Yeah, derp. Like they kind of lock him up for the last of his good years. And it's it's actually a pretty team-friendly contract, all things told. Yeah, considering that they signed Ryan Johansson, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, that Columbus team, it's an exciting team to watch. It really is. Yeah, and uh, from the schedule here, we're going to be talking about it next week here on the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Mm-hmm. And I think the set, <clears throat> that'll be a fun game to watch just because the... Columbus is a bit of an atypical uh, torts team because they're not really a hard grinding team. They they play fast, and it's very fun to watch. Yeah, I haven't got a chance to watch a lot of Columbus this season, but what from what I have seen, they do seem like a very fast, very exciting team, even if John Tortorella is their head coach. Mm-hmm. Oh, this next one's kind of interesting. Yeah, so... If you recall, Tim, the 92-93 season, the Ottawa Senators and Tampa Bay Lightning were chosen as the new expansion teams for that season. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I wasn't alive, so I don't remember. But you do recall <laughs> it since we do cheer for one of those teams. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So one of the proposed teams was supposed to be in Hamilton. Now, Hamilton, over the last 25 years, has been rumored to get a team with the Cops Coliseum and... Of course, with Jim Balsillie trying to move the Pans to Hamilton about a decade ago. So it would have made sense that Hamilton would have got a team. However, being that it is so close to Toronto, it would have been kind of hard for them to get a team in that capacity. But that's not why we're talking about it. This is why we're going to be talking about it. Because if the proposed team in Hamilton were to have been approved... CBC commentator Don Cherry would have been named head coach. Oh, jeez. Well, if you recall, Tim, there was rumors that he was going to be the head coach of the Ottawa Senators that he had denied back in the 90s. Yeah. Like, the game had... Well, I think for an expansion team, no matter what, it wouldn't have mattered. Having a star behind the bench probably would have helped drive some ticket sales. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I know when he was the head coach of the Mississauga Ice Dogs the team led in row team attendance because Graves was behind the bench. Mm-hmm. Although, it, I don't know, I don't know enough about Graves to know how adaptive as a coach he was. Yeah, because... because the game has changed since the 70s. That too, even I mean, in past 1980, he hadn't been a head coach up until, like I said, he was the head coach of the Mississauga Ice Dogs, which he owned. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, you recall earlier this week, I sent you a message through Facebook saying, hey, do you think we should add our next story onto it? And obviously, you sent me four messages back. Each more insulting to the last. <laughs> yeah, and of course, I put it up on our social media, and that's where we're going to be going next. The bench brawl between the Detroit Red Wings Woo! and Calgary Flames. 
Now, this started after Red Wings forward Luke Witkowski went after Flames forward Brent Kulak. Their fight escalated into a full-fledged line brawl when Witkowski, being escorted off the ice, jumped back onto the ice after being speared by Flames forward Matthew Tuchuk. Uh Witkowski was suspended 10 games. Tuchuk was suspended 1. Now, this obviously reminds me of in 2001, to either 2001 2002, when Todd Bertuzzi did the same thing when he was with the Vancouver Canucks, and he got suspended 10 games for that. Mm-hmm. Although, bench brawls are getting a... Even this one, like, I remember being like, oh, this is going to be great, and I watched it. They're just kind of hugging it out. Yeah, it's not like our, those old-school bench brawls, with, like with the Flyers and the Sabres. Or even, like, the Flyers and the Sens. No, that wasn't... Well, that wasn't really a bench brawl. That was just more... Excuse me. There was 150 on... penalty minutes handed out. Yeah, but that was just the five guys. It wasn't like the guys on the bench were throwing fight. Oh, two guys jumped off. Who jumped off? Oh, I can't remember. All I remember was Lindy Ruff and Brian Murray yelling at each other with Rob Ray. Oh, in that's the, the Buffalo one. I'm talking about the one where Ron Hextall fought someone in 2004, and Jason Spetz ended up with like 35 penalty minutes on his own. Oh, that one. Okay. That was a line brawl. Oh, right, okay. Sorry, I was thinking of the Sabres one. Uh, no, that, that wouldn't fun. have been Ron Hextall. Hextall had been retired by that point. I think yeah, it might it have been Lillian. Robert Esch. Right, because I remember Lillian punched the crap out of someone. And I was like, Patrick Lillian could do that? Wow. But yeah, I guess the thing about the suspensions is, I'm surprised Matt Kachuk didn't get more. Yeah, and I know the... The reaction on Twitter was more, oh, did Chuck spear somebody? What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Because he is, he's definitely a spark plug in that way. Yeah. But, uh, like, for Witkowski, it was open shot. Yeah, because from the fight that, that I saw, it looked like he had uh, punched the guy when he was down on the ice. Well, yeah, but in the rule book, if you come off... If you're off the ice and you come on, instant 10-game suspension. Yeah, and I'm okay with that rule. Yeah. As much as I like those the line brawls of yesteryear, it does clean up the game. It does. Something that didn't clean up in the game was our next story. Now, the Philadelphia Flyers, their defenseman, Ratko... Gudas got kicked out of the Jets-Flyers game after slashing Jets forward Matthew Perron... In the back of the head. Gouda is a repeat offender. And at the time of this recording. I didn't read anything about a suspension. Did you happen to see anything? All I know is he has an in-person hearing. Yeah. Which from what I understand. He didn't show up for. Oh. Now looking at. That's bad. Yeah. Now looking at the footage. Obviously images of Marty McSorley. Slashing Donald Bashir in the head in 2000. Comes to mind. But. Honestly, this wasn't nearly as vicious as I thought it was going to be. It's still... It, I mean, yeah, it was. It shouldn't have happened, but it didn't look like... didn't look as vicious as what it, I would have imagined. No, but that was just... Uh, it was an unneeded stupid slash. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see how many games he gets for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just... Uh... He's probably going to get the book thrown at him. Oh, yeah. And it's annoying because Radical Goodis, he doesn't need to do this shit. He's a good player. 
Honestly, like I had actually, never heard of this guy before this happened. Uh, he's bounced around a bit, but uh, he can move the puck well enough. Okay. He doesn't need to be doing this dumb stuff. No, not at all. Hmm. So, Tim, we got two more stories to talk about, and it's about the Ottawa Senators. Hey, all right. So let's get right into it. The Montreal Canadiens and Ottawa Senators outdoor game jerseys were unveiled. Not surprisingly, since Twitter's reaction was mixed to negative. However, people who have seen the jersey in person said the jersey looks way better than it does in the photo. Honestly, it's not a bad looking jersey. No, not at all. And I know my reaction was sort of meh when I first saw it. I mentioned to you, I said, I wish the O was black with the gold crest around it. That would have been kind of cool. But even watching the game yesterday, and I saw somebody behind the sense bench wearing one, I was like, you know, that's not a bad-looking jersey, to be quite honest with you. I do like the joke with the Silver Rogue hearkening back to the Silver Sevens. Yeah, and I think that's what they were going for. However, from what I understand, the Senators didn't really have a hand in the creation of the jersey. It was the NHL. Uh, I don't like that. No, I mean, I like the look of the jersey itself. It does have the look of the original Ottawa Senators from the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And it also yeah. kind of looks like the Ottawa 67s, who are also playing in the outdoor game the next day. Really? Now, I don't know if I'm going to go watch that or not, because it's like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the day after the game, I just sort of want to be a tourist and sort of just walk around and check out the city. You might be able to check out some of the shorter things like, uh, how long are you there for? I arrive on a Friday, and I'm there till Monday. Okay, and then the outdoor game is... Sat- Saturday. Is Saturday, okay. Uh, when's the outdoor game start? 7 or...? 7 o'clock for the Sens game, and I think it's like 3 o'clock for the 67s. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could probably get a lot done on the, Fri- the Friday and the Saturday. Yeah, but I arrive in Ottawa at like 4 o'clock on Friday. Oh, you could probably still check out the War Museum that night. Yeah, I might. I'm still very unsure what I'm going to do on the Sunday night, but you never know. I might go see it after all. Mm -hmm. And then it's a shame Big Rig's too much of a pain to get to. Well, I'll try and make my way down there anyways. Uh, Gloucester is a pain, dude. Well, I can just walk there, Tim. I don't have a problem. No, you can't. Why? How far is it? Gloucester is outside Ottawa city limits. Oh. Isn't there one, like, in the city limits, or am I... No. No? Okay. All right, well, big rigs out of the picture, then. Hmm. <laughs> now, yeah, also, like, tax... I tried Sorry, to go no, there, this... my buddy had a car, but it was still too much of a pain. Yeah. Sorry, Tim, like I was saying, on top of the story, the NHL also announced Brian Adams will also be performing as the musical guest for the event. Not sure if this is worse than when... They had random country star, well, stars in quotations for the Nashville All-Star game. Honestly, my opinion, I don't, I'm not as negative on Brian Adams as a lot of people are. I actually don't mind his music overall. I think it is overplayed, but I don't mind him. Honestly, I was surprised they didn't get, say, Alanis Morissette, given that she is from the city of Ottawa, and Brian's from Kingston. Mm-hmm. But Brian's more of a... West Coast guy, though. He's not from... Like, no, he's based I out thought of the he was West a BC Coast, guy. He... Yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. Honestly, even Gordon Lightfoot would have been better. (laughs) Oh my god, could you imagine? That would have been awesome. Or just get some local band that isn't the Missing Chicklets to play like Hockey Night in Can sorry, like Hockey Night in Canada and uh, good old hockey game and you'd have a great show. Oh, the Missing Chicklets. Don't worry, we'll talk about the Bonk I mean the Missing Chicklets. <laughs> I still stand by Bonk 182 would have been a better name. Mm-hmm. Alright. Now we got one last story and the same way that we start Top of the Hour, we're closing out Top of the Hour on a sad story. Ottawa Senators General Manager Pierre Dorian said that Clark MacArthur has officially moved to Florida and he is highly unlikely to return to the NHL. At the time of this recording, Clark's retirement has not been confirmed. Although I do like the fact that apparently Pierre called from a Costco parking lot in Orleans saying that he was Pierre from Orleans and he was talking about the... I think he was on like TSN 1200 with Ian Mendez, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Mendez was like, oh, here's Pierre. Like, apparently, like Mendez mentioned on Twitter, he's just like, oh, here is Pierre from Orleans. Orleans and like the like three sets of quote marks. Yeah. And oh. Boxbolt's like, oh, yes, I too am mullet from Nanaimo. <laughs> I want to know what Pierre was picking up at Costco. Maybe picking up some. You know, Costco-sized bags of Chicago mix, maybe some... Uh, some of them hot dogs. Yeah, a couple yeah. of those dollar dogs. Um, <laughs> a couple of years worth of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. One thing they did mention, uh, Bruce Garriock, during the intermission on Saturday's game, did mention that uh, Clark MacArthur, was, he did not fail his uh, medical due to uh, concussion-related syndromes. No, it was a neck injury. It was a neck injury. Which apparently he had suffered during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame. Like, uh, Clark MacArthur was a fan favorite anywhere he went, so it's a shame that his career was cut short. Yeah, and I did mention to Neil from Maple Syrup Shots because the show does hockey player references with the, their jersey number and the number of the episode. And so mm-hmm. I uh, mentioned to him that maybe he should do Clark MacArthur for episode 116. Yeah. I mean, who else yeah, are we going to get? definitely be missed. Yeah. Well, Tim, that wraps up Top of the Air. Should we get into talking about the two games this evening? Yeah, let's talk about some hockey. Let's talk about some hockey. We've got the two games we're going to talk about is the game, the revenge game versus the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the game versus the Arizona Coyotes. But first, before we do that, let's hit the music. So, Tim, the first game we're going to talk about this evening is the rematch between the Pittsburgh Penguins and Ottawa Senators. This was a 3-1 Penguins victory. Sens goals were scored by Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Pens goals were scored by Patrick Hornquist, Jake Gunsell, and Riley Sheenan. Shots were 29-22 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like I said off the top, this is a rematch. And also, this is the first game between the two teams since, well, well, you know. The street parties. <laughs> yeah. Overall, now, I don't 
I'm sure you and I are going to have very different opinions on the matter. Overall, I thought this was a very solid effort by both teams. It was mostly a defensive battle with some great goaltending by both Craig Anderson and Matt Murray, who absolutely stood on his head in this game. However, like I said, not a perfectly played game as the wheels started to come off a bit for the Senators in the second period with two goals by Patrick Hornquist and Jake Gunzel with nine seconds left. Ottawa fought their way back into it, but couldn't tie it in the third, and the Penguins scored on the empty net to make it 3-1. to one. Um, I feel like the, the first period, it was all Ottawa. Ottawa really took it to Pittsburgh, and uh, with the exception of one defensive pairing uh, on the ice for Ottawa, Pittsburgh couldn't get anything going, and uh, Ryan and Matt Duchesne is going to be one of the hardest lines to play against in the NHL. Oh, like, absolutely. did you watch them dummy the Malkin and uh, Kessel line? I also saw Malkin fall on Wyman, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but uh, Matt Duchesne and Ryan are both so hard on pucks, it was impossible for Malkin or Kessel to even get out of the zone. Yeah. Like, uh, I never was... thought I would see Evgeny Malkin hemmed in. Oh, I know, it's crazy. Uh, this was Matt Duchesne's first game as a senator in Ottawa. Personally, I felt he was the best player or one of the best players for the Ottawa Senators. However, his play did sort of taper off in the third period. Uh, other players we're going to talk about, Mike Hoffman, Alex Burrows, and Craig Anderson, I also thought were really good for the Ottawa Senators in this game. Yeah, and I felt like Pajot was excellent. Oh, f- he was fantastic. Like, uh, hit- I know I'm fantasy, like uh, pushing Mike Hoffman down the lineup, but uh, Duchesne and Hoffman do play very well together. They do, and... It's funny because the two guys definitely play a lot like each other. Yeah, and it's they complement each other quite well. Although uh, I have to admit, Bristard Hoffman Stone is another terrifying line. Mm-hmm. Very underrated line too. Yeah, and Pajo Di Domenico and Smith when he comes back would be a very good third line. Yeah, I think so. So let's talk about the goaltenders now. Like I said, Craig Anderson and Matt Murray both played great in this game. Matt Murray had some just unbelievable saves in this, in this game. Especially well, the save on Mike Hoffman on the goal line. Well, it's interesting because uh, I'm supr- like that got automatically reviewed and like that save was nuts. Although you could argue like he threw the stick and the nuts thing is, is if he had thrown the stick and uh, the stick is what made the save, that could have been called back. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was my understanding of that rule. But holy shit, that's save of, that is save of the year material right there. Absolutely. I know everybody has been praising the Sergei Bobrovsky save against the Montreal Canadiens. I felt this one was, I hate to say it, but it was actually a way better save than the Bobrovsky on the Habs. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting there in my chair just like, fine, that is a really, like, the angriest, This that was a really good save, I'll accept it. Yeah, you couldn't even be mad, you're just like... Well, even the Ottawa fans were cheering that save. Yeah, and it's rare, it's rare for a, a home save, building, yeah. yeah, praise a visiting goaltender. Yeah, the re- a lot of the rest of my notes are just saying that Johnny Oduya had a terrible game. Yeah, I saw your uh, Twitter feed on that one. Yeah, and it doesn't help that... Like, the Oduya-Fanuf pairing 
it's two slow guys. And like my first note is Odia Fanuf as a pairing will be hot ass. Well, I mean, Johnny Oduya so far this season has just been a complete dumpster fire for the Senators. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not complaining really about Oduya just because of how cheap we got him. But, and I know I agree with your tweet when you said, at what point does Guy Boucher just look at Johnny Oduya and be like, okay, you're riding the pines and I'm calling somebody up from Belleville. Or even take Chris Weidman off of forward. Let's talk about that. Like, I was honestly a little bit confused when I saw Chris Weidman was playing forward. Well, it was interesting because what happened was in the last game in Sweden, uh, Smith was injured, right? Right. And instead of going to Nick Paul, they played Harper and uh, let Chris Weidman play wing. And apparently Chris Weidman, he played 10 minutes, and Guy Boucher said he played a flawless game. So we left them there. However, in the Pittsburgh game, uh, Chris Weidman, he only saw four minutes in the first two periods. So it's clear that it was a dumb experiment. Yeah, and honestly, I'm still scratching my head why Guy Boucher doesn't play Nick Paul up here. Yeah, well, apparently Nick Paul is in tonight. Uh, against the New York Rangers. But uh, the justification was was that uh, Chris Weidman has very strong offensive instincts, but his defensive instincts aren't that great. Right. However, Ron, Chris Weidman has very good defensive instincts. Like, he's, gr- he's generally on the right side of the puck on both the offensive zone and the defensive zone, and he's excellent at pinching and generally getting the puck going the way it needs to go, and he's actually quite good at getting the puck out of the zone. I would argue that Chris Weidman is probably Ottawa's third or fourth best defenseman after Carlson, Clayson, and maybe Phaneuf. Right. So let's talk a little bit about Chris Weidman because Evgeny Malkin fell on him and he tore his hamstring. Now, at the time of this game, it wasn't sure, or the team wasn't sure how long he'd be out. It was reported he will be out for months. And I know last night... Or yesterday afternoon during the game, Chris Weidman was walking around the arena, and you could tell he was in pain. Honestly, Malkin was way too careless. Malkin could have fall. Malkin could have fallen to the side and missed Weidman entirely. Instead, Malkin put his entire body weight on Chris Weidman. Yeah, but he's been known to be a pretty reckless player with uh, certain some players over the years that he's played in the NHL. He hasn't. Uh, the players haven't been injured, but he's definitely with some of his played does look like he could potentially injure somebody. And the Weidman, I'm sure somebody will probably correct me, I think this is the first guy that he's injured so far in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't this. I don't think this was suspension-worthy, but at the very least, Malkin should apologize. Yeah, I think it was, it was just a mistake, right? But however... It was a mistake, but it was reckless. Yeah. Like, it uh, was, this... I wouldn't say it's negligent, but Mal, at the very least, Malkin should apologize. Yeah. Uh, Senators called up Ben Harper from Belleville to replace Chris Weidman. Now, honestly, because Weidman had been moved forward, I think, like we are talking about, Nick Paul should have been in his spot. Mm-hmm. I know what my hope is, but the reality isn't, is that a one Johnny Oduya sits out and Harper and Paul come in. Yeah. So, Tim, do you got any more notes you want to talk about, or should we just go on to the next game? Um, have you ever heard of a man called Hovshenko? 
Hovshanko? <laughs> no. During the first intermission, they were going through uh, sen- the Senators' nicknames for players within the team. And literally half of them were just different Russian endings for Mike Hoffman's name. Hmm, okay. Like uh, Hovshenko, Hoffmanov, and stuff like that. Yeah, they mentioned that during the Coyotes game because Alec Trebek was the guest or special guest in the arena that night. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was, like, I think, like, uh, Pajot was Captain Crank. And I just don't understand. Like, it's weird because half the senators are just like, I don't understand where these names come from. Honestly, Captain Crank sounds like, if you've seen the show Breaking Bad, that was uh, Jesse Pinkman's name in the first episode as Captain Cook. Oh, okay. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, yeah, it's... uh, it's annoying because this is a game that the Senators played well in, but I don't, I think they, like, this whole week has just been the Senators unable to just kind of make anything out of their chances, which leads us into the next game. Yeah. Okay, so the next game we got to talk about, the Arizona Coyotes versus the Ottawa Senators. This is a 3-2 to two Coyotes overtime victory. Sands goals were scored by Mark Stone and Mark Borvieski. Arizona goals were scored by Anthony Duclair, who scored a hat trick. Overall, this game was way more competitive than it should have been. It really seemed like, and you might disagree with me, it looked like Ottawa was really downplaying to the Coyotes in this game, and Arizona took full advantage of that. Ranta, he looked pretty solid for what action he got. Condon, now, despite what Sen's Twitter might have said, I thought he looked alright despite the misplayed poke check in the third period. And it was very similar to the goal he gave up in the game versus the Kings. Now, I disagree entirely here because the way the game kind of flowed was that, for the most part, Ottawa was just taking it to the Coyotes, except for these weird breakdowns where the Coyotes would get some ser- some good zone time, but those breakdowns were few and far between. Honestly, I thought in the maybe the first five minutes, Ottawa outplayed it, but yeah, I was just watching it. Like, why are we not completely dominating the Coyotes in this game? Well, I think, like, a lot of it really was is just, you'd see the Senators, and really my pet theory, and looking at the stats, it's kind of kind of borne out, is that the CC, anytime the CC line was out on the ice, Ottawa was hemmed in. Like, CC Borvietsky is also not a great pairing, but what's interesting is Borvietsky was a coursey positive player when separated from Cody CC. When Borvietsky is the better puck control player on a line, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And further to that point is, uh, Dion Phaneuf and Johnny Oduya both had great games away from Cody Ceci. Yeah. Like, Johnny Oduya actually played quite well. Yeah, I thought so. I remember sitting here watching it thinking, you know, Oduya is actually not playing a bad game. Like, he actually was one of the better senders on at 5-on-5. Yeah, and I know that now from my point of view, really nobody in the Ottawa Senators really stood out in this game. But the one player who did stand out was Anthony Duclair, who quietly was hands down the best player in this game, scoring a hat-trick, including the OT winner. Uh, The first Mm -hmm. goal, which I thought was a beauty-slick move, uh, beat him on the short side. The poke check that Condon misplayed, Duclair 
scored on the empty net. And that softy that popped out behind Cod and OT. Yeah, like... Ugh. The Coyotes managed to wrestle a very good player out of New York in Duclair. you got to give him full credit for that. However, I feel like other than the CC pairing, it was the Senators played played above and away better than the Coyotes, and Anthony Ranta played an ex. Anthony Ranta was excellent, and uh, he was giving Matt Duchesne fits. Right, because Matt like Matt Duchesne had an excellent game. Like again, he had five shots to his name and even more chances, and he was. All like it was insane just watching Matt Duchesne fight his way through three players to get to the net. Oh, I know that was. I was very impressed with Matt Duchesne. However, and I think, and you could probably correct me. Didn't he lead the Senators in shots in this game? Uh, no, Derek Broussard had seven. Okay, how many did Duchesne have? He had like five or six, didn't he? Him and Bobby Ryan again had another really good night. Yeah, I'm um, still waiting on Duchesne to score his first because he's getting no- a number of chances, but he still hasn't been able to bury any of them. At this point, I think he's just snake bitten, which is unfortunate. But you know, when the first one goes in, like it's gonna it's gonna come because Duchesne has been absolute. He's been an absolute monster on the ice. Mm-hmm. Like even against Pittsburgh, he was dummying Malkin. Yeah, which is just impressive. So let's talk a little bit about Alex Trebek, who was a special guest at the game yesterday afternoon. Now, I always thought Alex was a Leafs fan, but he was wearing a Senator's jersey. Well, he was inducted as an officer of the Order of Canada. And also the remaining members of the Tragically Hip, too. Mm-hmm. Was uh, Gord posthumously inducted? No, he was na- No, he got the Order of Canada before he had passed away. Oh, okay. But I know that I saw on Twitter, somebody had mentioned that, so I quoted, tweeted it, and said, I'll take questions that need to be answered for 200. Yeah. And the guy got back to me with the gif of, I saw what you did there. Mm-hmm. But, like, Alex Trebek, they had him on, like, TSN had him talking for several minutes, and uh, he was just delightful to listen to. Like, uh, the stories were very coherent and very funny. Yeah. And uh, I don't watch a lot of Jeopardy, so I didn't know what to expect out of Trebek, but he could probably run a really... Like, I think Alex Trebek would be a better uh, comedy host than any of the other hosts on the late-night shows right now. Yeah. You know who's also a really big hockey fan, and I didn't really know it? Was Pat Sajak, the guy from Wheel of Fortune. Really? Yeah, he's a big Washington Capitals fan. Oh, that's crazy. I would have never thought of that. And if you read some of his Twitter, that guy's just fucking insane. Why? Is it like Cher's Twitter? I don't read Cher's Twitter. Is she pretty bad too? Uh, she just writes all of this insane stuff, and then sometimes it's just full of like random punctuation like and emojis. It's nuts. Actually, Keith Olbermann's Twitter is freaking nuts too. Yeah, I read some of his stuff. Yeah, his Twitter is pretty nuts too. Well, it's like... <clears throat> when like like I can understand not liking Trump but then Keith Olbermann takes it to a whole completely different level where even people who are like pretty aggressive to Trump on Twitter are like Keith Olbermann shut up you're making us all look dumb like Keith Olbermann's the only person I know who's been fired from ESPN for like three fucking times 
Really? He's been fired from ESPN that many times? Yeah. Man, that's insane. Yeah, his most recent stint only lasted two years. Hmm. It's nuts. Now, I also got to mention, I really like the tribute that uh, Sens DJ Alex Marchant did to the late Malcolm Young of ACDC, who had passed away yesterday by mostly playing ACDC's music in the first period. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't know what to think about the music choices at uh, Canadian Tire Center because right. sometimes it's just kind of like right out of the right out of left field, right? Right. But I felt like he did pretty good. Yeah, I know if Baltimore or Japan Droids is being played, that Kanaka and Pan from the Suns call up said tweeted at him. Nice. Although, uh, like I know this probably wasn't his choice initially, but. Uh, Deploying that, there's the two songs that uh, Ottawa, like Ottawa's just infamous for, for just playing at their games. There's the Everybody Clap Your Hands. Yeah, I don't really like the, that song. Yeah. And uh, the one that's just like. Yeah. Yeah, like it's funny. Like I'll go on like posts on our sports or 4chan sports board. And you'll just see, we're playing the Senators tonight, and the first reply will be like, everybody clap your hands. Well, let's I'm also just... not forget that they're also known for playing Song 2 by Blur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird collection of music, but I like it. Yeah. You know what's weird? What's that? Tom Pyatt had a good game. Yeah, Tom Pyatt's had a pretty good season so far from what I've seen. Yeah, he's usually not the greatest in like moving the puck the right way, and he's often just got he's just got bad hands in general. But yeah, during the Coyotes, he was uh, just hard for them to get around. Hmm. Yeah, and I felt like he played quite well. I thought so. So Tim, I don't got any more notes to talk about this game. Do you have any more to that you would like to add? Um. This was just a game that I felt like Ottawa could... Ottawa is the better team. Ottawa played better, and Ottawa could have won. But just too many miscues. And Anthony... It's not even the Coyotes. It was just Anthony Duclair was able to capitalize on. Like, Anthony Duclair and Antti Ranta were lights out. But I far and away the best players on the ice. Right. And uh, they managed to win, the ga- win a game that the Senators should have handily won. One more note I want to mention that I didn't include here was they had a shot of Ty Domi, dad of Max Domi, and he's drinking a glass of wine. What the fuck kind of Canadian drinks a glass of wine at a hockey game? Come on, Ty, get it together. If he doesn't start soon, I won't buy any of his phone lines. Tim, are you saying you still have not bought the home phone line from Ty Domi? No, I'm not going to buy Comwave. It's garbage. Well, it must be if they had Ty Domi in their commercials. Yeah, no kidding. Like, couldn't they get a more recent hockey player? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Was, it's like, what, was Wendell Clark not available, guys? Or Yeah. Was Ty Domi even popular in Toronto? Ty Domi? Yeah. Oh, he was hugely popular in Toronto. Really? Yeah. If you had seen... There was a VHS that was made about 20 years ago, and somebody... Like, one of the sports writers said, if you go to the... No, no, this is about just under 20 years ago because the Air Canada Centre just opened and they were saying, if you go to a Leafs game at the ACC, on average, you would see 
Sun Dean, Sun Dean, Cujo, Domi, Domi, Cujo jerseys. It, w- it was mostly Domi jerseys. Weird. Yeah, it was like how Darcy Tucker was a very big name for the Leafs. It's weird because, like, those two players are reviled in the rest of Canada. Like, not just hated, but, like, viscerally hated. Yeah. Do you ever read uh, Darcy Tucker's Twitter sometimes? No. Is it retarded? Um, I don't know. I don't generally read all of his Twitter, but I know I read when Alfredson got his jersey retired that he mentioned him on Twitter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe Alfie knocked some sense into him. Maybe. All right. right. So should we go into the close for another evening, Tim? Uh, Sounds good. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Okay. Well, on that note, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. And I forgot to mention, Tim, we Uh talked... Last week's episode, we talked it in three days from the previous week. Apparently, we lost like 10 followers. I think there might have been a glitch with SoundCloud. I don't know. I'll have to look into that, but... Meh. Meh, regardless. Because our bot Dave from Maple Syrup Shots made mention, you can find us on Google Play Music, Third Line Plug Sensecast. You can find us on all three of those for your listening pleasure. We are on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our show's Twitter. Tim is M901 Honey Badger. I am Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about these games, you want to talk about the 10 followers on on SoundCloud that we lost, or... You you want to advise us not to eat bad sushi. That too. Or you want to talk about Taggart Torrens. You can hit us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. So, Tim, the week ahead, we've got tonight's game of the night we're recording versus the New York Rangers in New York, Wednesday versus the Washington Capitals in Washington, Friday against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Sergei Bobrovsky in Columbus, and you're back (laughs) home to play the New York Islanders on Saturday. Ooh, four games. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good That's going to be value. Now, before we go, now, the reason why we're recording here tonight on a Sunday is because I will be at a local pub watching the Seahawks, Falcons, Monday Night Football. So, before we close, can I get your prediction on the game, Tim? You know I don't watch football. Don't just give any prediction, Tim. Uh, I guess the one with the highest, the one with the lowest odds will win. Alright, until next time guys, I am your host Taylor Gibson. And I'm Tim Jetsy, and I don't watch football much. Go Sens guys. Oh! Woo! And go Riders despite the fact we lost today. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!